All right, so the debt ceiling thing, uh, not quite over yet. Kevin McCarthy, his job may be hanging in the balance. Heard that today from Ken Buck, Congressman Republican of Colorado. He will be joining us in just a little bit to uh, see if we can get this all straightened out. All right, on to Target. We haven't addressed that yet. I do have a few things to say about the Target situation and that crazy, weird, and stupid paraphernalia they were trying to sell. The retailer removing LGBTQ brand App Prowlin from their stores and website, whose products featured satanic themes. Target also reportedly reviewing its adult collection of tuck-friendly swimsuits that allows trans people who have not had gender-affirming operations to conceal their private parts. To Target's items featuring slogans like Live Laugh Lesbian and clothing for babies and children. Well, this filth should never have been in the store in the first place. Why did they put it there? Well, like so many other companies, so many other institutions in America, they've gone woke. And this guy, the chairman of the company, Brian Cornell, target of CEO, target CEO, he knows where his bread is buttered. I think he'll do anything to keep this job. 17.7 million, according to reports. Yeah, you'll do some crazy things for that kind of money, even hiring this individual, uh, Kira Fernandez, Target's chief diversity and inclusion officer. Uh, she has some very peculiar and interesting views. One of the hardest things to be in the world every day is black. Mm -hmm. One of the hardest things to be in the world every day is a woman. So when you intersect those two things... You could easily identify differently if you wanted to, for protect, whatever, right? I'm not judging anybody, but I know who I see every time I look in the mirror. All right, so that's the person you're going to see when you go to HR. You're in trouble, whoever you are, whatever you look like, dealing with this individual. Next. And what so, is actually your job? What do you do? I lead the strategy initiatives and focus of diversity, equity, and inclusion at Target. So that's how we show up and represent the workforce and our workforce diversity, how we represent um, our guests through our assortment, our marketing, our branding, our partnerships, how we think about the role that we play and the societal impact that we have in communities. All right. And I think she is a graduate of the Kamala Harris School of Communications. And the way in which we leverage our size and scale to bring new people, diverse suppliers, entrepreneurs into a space that Without that access, they wouldn't be able to enter. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. I, uh, I nod my head, too, and I'm interviewing somebody, and I don't really understand them. Uh, next. That part of this really important work at a time that every day reinforces how important it is um, in an organization that has an opportunity to change the narrative differently than I think anyone else can. It's a store. We go to the store. What are they talking about? It's a store, okay? Next. And then the other part of that is leading talent leadership development. So the experience that you have in training, your onboarding, you're welcome into Target, functional learning, development programs, our culture of care growing together, um, how we think about the experience of team members through the lens of belonging and equity and psychological safety. This is not capitalism. 
It's something else, something foreign, borderline socialism. This is not America, this gobbledygook. <laughs> it's crazy. You see these, in theory, two separate entities that actually come together mm -hmm. and synergize, like with synergy, mm -hmm. because one actually fuels the other. Yeah. Right? I told you about that Kamala Harris School of Communications. One more. One guides the other. One can break the other down. One can lift the other up. Yep. So how do you bridge them together? Um, which, again, might seem disparate. No, it seems very Sesame Street. All right, this is the last one. When you can't get movement on your learning and development functions to feed in your diversity, equity, and inclusion practices, then you're actually creating inequitable learning. Yeah. Because you're not thinking about the diversity of the end user. Yeah, the diversity of the end This is the end. This is the end of Target. This is the end of capitalism. This is the end of... Uh, our civil society. This is insanity. And I know it got a little bit tedious there. We went through, this is what they talk about all day long and not the mission. And it's infecting all kinds of businesses, institutions, the military. And oh, by the way, look at what it really does for Target's bottom line. You heard about this. They have taken a massive, massive hit. But the very weird thing is, this may be by design. They may not even care about this. There's something deeper going on. Target doesn't care if you boycott their stores. They're not afraid of you. They're scared of a much bigger threat. Let me explain. Target's largest shareholders are Vanguard, State Street, and BlackRock. These corporations support the Corporate Equality Index, or CEI. This is a rating system for how much American businesses support the LGBT community. If Target's CEO does not support the LGBT community well, then he's not going to be reelected by the shareholders. So sometimes corporations like Target push LGBT marketing campaigns, not because they particularly want to or it's good for profits, they do it for a high CEI score. So they face a backlash, maybe they lose a little money. Failing to get a high CEI is way more scary. All right, very interesting analysis. I don't know who that guy is at the end there. And the CEI score, uh, what we found today for Target, is perfect. But you don't, I don't think you really want them. That shows you how just crazy the company is, that they've signed up for all this nonsense. So, hey, it's safe to make fun of Dylan Mulvaney, right? I mean, it, a little bit. Uh, let's face it. He put himself out there in a big, big way. You can say stuff about Dylan online if you want. You can say stuff about Target if you want. Uh, you really can't these days. You can't. Whether you're a bus driver or a professional baseball player, you can get in big trouble. This is uh, Andrew Bass. He's a pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, I know they're in Canada, but uh, they're all American up there, the players. And he just retweeted some other guy talking about this, this situation on social media. This is not him talking, but he liked it on social media, and now he's in trouble. Uh, and the person who, well, listen to what was said. Here's the reason, biblically, why I believe Christians ought to be boycotting Target and Bud Light and any other corporation that's pushing the things they're pushing. I think a lot of people make this into a political issue or they say, oh, what's the big deal if, you know, is it really going to make that big of a difference if I'm shopping there or not shopping there? Here's what the Bible says. It tells us what to do as Christians in Ephesians chapter five. He says, right, he gives a beautiful explanation, Ephesians chapter five, and you have to shine light on this stuff. And hey, it's a free country, right? We're allowed. This is not, this is not profane. This is totally fine. So that Toronto Jays pitcher 
post this and uh, oh boy got in big trouble with the manager and the team owner and uh, take a look. I recognized yesterday uh, I made a post that was hurtful to the Pride community which includes friends of mine and close family members of mine and I am truly sorry for that. Um, I just spoke with my teammates took them, shared with them my actions yesterday and I apologize with them and as of right now I'm using the Blue Jays resources to better educate myself to make better decisions moving forward. Uh, the ballpark is for everybody. Uh, we include all fans at the ballpark and we, and we want to welcome everybody. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Seems like it's under duress, doesn't it? That's communist talk. Better educate myself. I have to educate. I'm truly sorry. And this is discussion of the Bible is hurtful to the pride community. What is the pride community? If there is such a thing, the pride community can jump in the lake. I'm sorry. This is wrong. We all know it. There's no reason to cooperate. We have to stop this insanity, and not everybody's going this way. We got Clayton Kershaw. He pitches for the L.A. Dodgers, and he finds this offensive because it is offensive. The Sisters of Indulgence were scheduled to come by on LGBTQ Pride Night, whatever, and he didn't like it because this is not a Christian group. They're making fun of it, and it's ugly, and it's wrong. And he said so. Good for him. It's his right. Big statement. Listen to this. As a devout Catholic, I am deeply troubled by the Dodgers' decision to invite and honor a group that makes a blatant and deeply offensive mockery of my religion. He has not backed down. In fact, he has insisted that the Dodgers come out and have an alternative celebration. Join us at Dodger Stadium on 730, July 30th for Christian Faith and Family Day. Stay after the game to celebrate and be part of a day of worship. Stay tuned for more details. That's more like it. Now, they had that on the schedule, apparently, but uh, Clayton put some pressure on the bosses, and they had to make that announcement a bit early. Good for him. He did not back down. I feel for that Toronto Blue Jay. I mean, it looks to me like his boss made him do it. Look, this stuff is such a distraction from everything we need to be focused on, especially our adversaries. You know, they're not dealing with this. Uh, they have horrific policies, and they are, gosh, murderers, both of them, really. But, but at least they don't have to worry about this stuff, and that makes them more of a threat. You know, we lost a war, Afghanistan. We did. And I believe it's because, in part, our military and our administration so consumed with nonsense that has nothing to do with American might and national security and making us great. Here is General Mark Milley, soon to be ex-chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Uh, in the run-up to our exit from Afghanistan, this is what he was thinking about. There were laws in the United States, antebellum laws prior to the Civil War, that led to uh, a power differential with African Americans that were three quarters of a human being when this country was formed. And then we had a Civil War and Emancipation Proclamation to change it. And we brought it up to the Civil Rights Act in 1964. It took another hundred years to change that. So look at I do want to know. Yeah, you do want to know. Well, quit and study that stuff. Become a community college professor. Do what you want to do. But that's virtue signaling right there. And what wasn't he doing? That was August, uh, I'm sorry, June, June 23rd of 2021. Virtue signaling on race before Congress and the American people. What happened just, uh, well, eight weeks or so later? Yes, our horrific loss in Afghanistan. See how fired up he's looking? 
not over defeating the enemy or taking care of our troops, but showing off how much he knows about anti-bellum laws and slavery and white supremacy. And speaking of which, enough with the white supremacy, okay? It is a myth. Those who do practice it are crazy and weird. They're in jail or they're off in the woods. Uh, it's a ghost. It's a phantom. And they keep pushing it, especially saying it's in the military when it's not. We must also acknowledge that our military faces challenges, a rise in white supremacy and extremism within the ranks. So, yes, we have racism uh, in the military. We have white supremacy in the military. We have anti-Semitism in the military. This ever-growing problem, which to be sure has been a problem, regarding um, white supremacists within the military, within its ranks. So that's just a talking point. There is absolutely nothing backing it up. But I wanted to see what, how could I, how could I, is there a barometer, all right, to see the flavor of things in the military? And uh, what about mass shootings? You know, we see school shootings, church shootings sometimes on base, on military bases. There have been mass shootings over the past several years, actually the past 20 years. Let's go through them, shall we? The last mass shooting, three killed, eight injured at the Pensacola Navy base where I was once stationed. The gunman, Mohammed Saeed uh, Al-Shamarinani, I don't think he's a white supremacist. Next, please, we have oh, Pearl Harbor. Did you know about this one? Probably not. Gabriel Romero shot two people, three actually, killed two, one injured. Next, let's go to, oh, the Navy Yard. Back in 2013, 12 were killed, eight injured by Navy contractor Aaron Alexis. We, we'll go on like this. Fort Hood, uh, 13 killed, 30 injured by Nidal Hassan. Now, can I see all those guys? All right. Yes, this is not white supremacy, okay? Uh, but they're pushing it. Actually, they're pushing it right now. Tonight, earlier on ABC Network News, they had a two-hour special on this. The debunked, thoroughly false 1619 project that says basically everything about America is based in slavery and racism. But... This is this is this is what it is now. This is what people believe. They don't believe in the truth. They believe in this. We weren't always like this. Fifteen years ago, actually, the biggest Democrat in the country wasn't even like this. Barack Obama. He talked about, well, you want to talk about race? You got to talk about this. Too many fathers are MIA. Too many fathers are AWOL. You and I know this is true everywhere, but nowhere is it more true than in the African-American community. We know the statistics that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime. They're nine times more likely to drop out of school, 20 times more likely to end up in prison. Wow, that's a big problem, huge, and no one's talking about it. He stopped talking about it two days later because Jesse Jackson threatened to cut his testicles off. He actually said that out loud. But if the Target CEO really wants to make a difference and maybe earn some of that money, he could talk about it. And other corporate chieftains and maybe even Barack Obama, the missing fathers in the African-American community. Wow, that would be a game changer. I'll be right back. Uh, Joe, all smug and confident, huh? Well, 
Why is he so comfortable all the time when we know that there is a document inside the FBI that says Joe may have been engaged in a bribery scheme back when he was vice president of the United States, changing policy for some foreign operative because he accepted money, allegedly, possibly. The House Oversight Committee is looking into it, and the FBI is not cooperating. There's a reason around here why this show calls the FBI one of our little nicknames for it, Friends of Biden Incorporated. So uh, Chairman Comer has been after this document. It's an FD-1023, and it has information about possible corruption by the vice president, the then vice president of the United States. They put out this letter, bureaucratic is crazy, just designed to obscure and confuse. Uh, but they're basically saying no, because get this, the public's perception of the impartiality of the law enforcement process could be damaged if sensitive material is distributed beyond those necessary in the investigative process. Hello. They were <laughs> half their team works at the CNN now. They were pushing everything to The New York Times director Comey link leaked to The New York Times. But now they're concerned about all this stuff. Here's another excuse they fall back on uh, sources and methods. We cannot talk about sources and methods. But I am also unwilling to budge on talking about ongoing investigations and protecting sources and methods. I think if we start exposing sources and methods, we are setting a dangerous precedent. All right, give me a break. They write books, make TV shows, movies, often featuring FBI agents themselves talking about sources and methods. A gunman out for revenge, judges and government officials his targets, how FBI agents went undercover to stop his plan. There's no stopping in undercover work. You say it comes out of your mouth and you gotta live with it. Everything inside of you is screaming, oh my God, I hope he doesn't find out that I'm an agent. My name is Mike Ghibli. I've been an FBI undercover agent for 19 years. All right, Mike Ghibli got his name, and we all know what he looks like. Uh, they talk about this stuff all the time when it suits them. Now, the letter is all over the place, and they might be kind of cooperating. But first, there will be a phone call. There will be a phone call at 1.30 p.m. It happened today. All about the phone call. <laughs> Don't they just pick up the phone and talk to each other? They have to make such a big deal out of it. Listen to this. House Oversight Chairman James Comer and FBI Director Chris Wray will be speaking by phone very shortly. Comer was scheduled to speak with him today at 1.30 p.m., so I guess we'll find out more about that. This conversation that's going to take place between Ray and Comer later this afternoon. This is a swamp game. Uh, you just can't call the FBI director, uh, uh, Mr. Director, uh, Congressman Comer's on line three. Oh, really? Okay. No, you got to make it a federal case. You got to set it up. You got to have 18 people on the phone and uh, you got your talking points. It's a way to slow things down. It is a bureaucratic trick. And remember, it is the Federal Bureau of Investigation. This uh, phone thing, oh, by the way, uh, I don't like it, really. It's, it's the deep state taking over. Check this out. President Biden says he expects to speak with China's President Xi Jinping within the next 10 days. President Joe Biden expected to hold a call with Vladimir Putin tomorrow morning at 11. President Biden is going to hold a call with allies later this morning. 
kind of expect the president of the United States to pick up the phone whenever the hell he wants to engage a foreign leader. And that's what President Trump is going to do in term two. All right. Now, he had to play this game. He didn't know he was playing it. The swamp tripped him up. Uh, we have to be on the call. You can't do that by yourself. And you have to say what we tell you to say. It is wrong. It's un-American. And it's unconstitutional, this game they're playing. All right. Now this. Chris Christie is running for president. That's the word he's going to run because he's the guy. He says he's the one who can take out Trump somehow. Let me tell you something. You better have somebody on that stage who can do to him what I did to Marco. Because that's the only thing that's going to defeat Donald Trump. And that means you got to have the skill to do it. And that means you have to be fearless because he will come back and right at you. Oh, get over yourself. You were on the stage with him and you failed. All right. You were on the stage in 2016. Trump was there, too. And you came in zero place, last place. You came you nowhere. Where's this skill and talent? I mean, no. And he's got baggage. All right. There's Bridgegate. Right. When they rearrange the cones as political payback for that mayor who wouldn't get on board. What about Beachgate? when uh, the state actually closed the beaches, but he insisted because he was the governor to go out there anyway. Nobody else could go on a hot summer day except him and his family. And then there's the hug of Barack Obama. Now, you know what? Given the circumstances, it's okay to hug Barack Obama. This was in October of 2012. Sandy had hit New York and New Jersey and had done a lot of devastation, and we all needed help from the federal government. And this part is totally fine. He was very, very grateful to uh, President Obama. And boy, did he let everybody know it. The president has declared New York and New Jersey disaster areas already. How does that help you? Helps us tremendously. I spoke to the president three times yesterday. Uh, he called me for the last time at midnight last night asking what he could do. The president was great last night. He signed the declaration this morning. So I have to give the president great credit. He has been very attentive and anything that I've asked for, he's gotten to me. So uh, I thank the president publicly for that. He has done, uh, as far as I'm concerned, a great job for New Jersey. All right, that's fine. I have no problem with that, really. If that's the case, that's the case. Here's the problem. It's October 30th, just a few days away from the election. Mitt Romney has a very real chance to be the president-elect in a week. What do they say about him? Over the last couple of months, you have uh, appeared throughout the country, uh, Governor, on behalf of Mitt Romney, uh, talking him up for president of the United States. I know uh, president uh, off the campaign trail today, although we hear that perhaps he's going to, uh, Mr. Romney may do some storm-related uh, events. Is there any possibility that uh, Governor Romney may go to New Jersey to tour some of the damage with you? I have no idea, nor am I the least bit concerned or interested. What a slam, huh? I'm not in the least bit interested in talking to a man. That is, what was that, October 30th? And the election in 2012 was November uh, 3rd, 4th, November 6th. He was a week away from potentially, because Mitt Romney at that point, I mean, quite frankly, we were rooting for him. I don't like him now, but I would have liked it if he won. You know why? Why was uh, Chris Christie so mean? Because Chris Christie didn't want Mitt Romney to win. Chris Christie wanted to be president. He was kicking himself for not running in 2012. People forget, but 
Nancy Reagan, a lot of uh, a lot of rhinos were pushing Chris Christie to run. So looks like he's running. Looks like Mike Pence is going to be announcing soon. I am uh, I'm surprised because they are running because, well, they think Trump is vulnerable. They think he's going to get indicted. And uh, even if he is indicted in that sham boxes case or the January 6th stuff, it's not going to work. It's going to make him stronger. Can I say this about Joe? I think the walls are closing in on him. Yeah, the dominant media, the mainstream media, they're not talking about it. But look, I just don't think he's going to get away with it. All of his rich tastes over the years. I mean, there's a lot of circumstantial evidence and what the House Oversight Committee has told us so far and what we've seen of Joe over the years. Back when he was a U.S. senator, he and Hunter seemed to have a plan for working rooms and if you wanted to do business with Joe Biden, see Hunter. Check this out. Very important. That's a rough year, the way they district. They play hardball, don't they? All right, you see Hunter just watching this conversation, watching the conversations? He's waiting for the opportunity where he can swoop in, just studying his father, listening, monitoring. And when there's an opportunity, well, take a look at what happens. Let's go to the next clip, please. Well choreographed dance. Joe said maybe we can work something out to that guy who wanted something. And then he gets the message. He starts talking to Hunter. And then they walk away to do the business together. Isn't that wild? I think it's wild. And oh, by the way, he's in South Carolina on a weekend. His family is in Delaware. What's going on with that, huh? That's very, very, well, he's a smooth operator. Yeah. At least he was for a while. I'll be right back. You know, folks, I thank God for my wonderful wife, my kids, my country, the greatest nation ever. And Americans like you who believe in the truth, The Chris Salcedo Show will never stop fighting for you. The Chris Salcedo Show, for the news you need to know. Hey guys, it's Carson for 4 In a startling description, the UN food chief warned the world with the words knocking on famine's door. He called what we're facing a perfect storm of a perfect storm. And he's not alone. Barron's published that a food shortage could be coming even in the U.S. Farmers see it too. John Boyd, a fourth-generation farmer, says we're going to see empty food shelves in the coming months. That's why survival food is more important than ever now. Create your own stockpile of the best-selling Four Patriots survival food kits. It's not ordinary food. We're talking good for 25 years, super survival food, hand-packed in a family-owned facility in the United States, giving jobs to over 200 Americans. They have different delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners. You can make these meals in less than 20 minutes. Just add boiling water, simmer, and serve. And right now, for the next few days, listeners of Newsmax will get 10% off their first order at 4Patriots.com by using promo code Newsmax. Now, that's number 4Patriots.com. Go to 4Patriots.com, use promo code Newsmax, and start your stockpile today. Well, look at that. 
It's a Chinese warplane coming very, very close to an American aircraft in the middle of the sky over international waters, close to China, but it's international waters. Very, very aggressive. Not nice at all. Uh, all right. This stuff happens from time to time, but given everything that's going on, and Gordon Chang's tweet, Gordon Chang, internationally recognized China expert, war is coming. China will start it. These tweets are giving me nightmares again, Gordon. We're joined now by Gordon Chang, author of The Coming Collapse of China and The Great U.S.-China Tech War, and Blaine Holt, retired Brigadier General with the U.S. Air Force. Welcome to you both. Uh, Gordon, first to you. Uh, war is coming. China will start it. My first question is when, and uh, also, what do you make of that uh, near flyby? Well, on the flyby, um, remember, this occurred on May 26th of this year. That's no coincidence, because on May 26th of last year, China tried the same maneuver in front of an Australian Air Force reconnaissance plane, fired chaff and flares at it. Some of the chaff, which is aluminum foil, meant to confuse radar, was actually ingested into one of the two engines of the Australian craft, and it had to make an emergency landing. China uses anniversaries to send messages, and we have got to understand that China is engaging in these maneuvers that could actually kill Americans. And by the way, Greg, this morning, uh, China's most famous propagandist made a death threat to kill an American crew. And we have not we, we have not imposed costs on China for doing these things. We absolutely must to protect our crews. Absolutely. I agree. But let, I want to try to see if I can dial things down a notch. I mean, General Holt, stuff like this has been happening for a long time. It happened with the Russians, the Soviets back then. Uh, do you remember that P-3 Orion? I think a Chinese yep. plane came Shane so Osborne's close. Airplane. And, Pardon me? You bet. Shane Osborne's airplane. I remember it very well. Right. And they forced a plane to land. It had to land in China. I mean, and they actually collided. Um, so how bad do you think this is? I think this is incredibly bad. It's very dangerous. And let's look at the disparity. Um, when we take a look at the red balloon going over, we don't say anything. We're fine with that. Um, uh, China now uh, loses their mind over a RC-135 in international airspace. Um, but to Gordon's point, it's it's all the things coming together, Greg. Um, at Fort Wainwright, Alaska, they just caught Chinese masquerading as tourists on Fort Wainwright and picked them up with a drone and all of that type of stuff. Meanwhile, the Volt Typhoon uh, hacking group has hacked the United States Navy, has compromised their systems all in the span of a week. What does uh, Secretary Blinken say? Oh, regrettable. This weakness is going to in, uh, start this war. So if Gordon's tweet needs a little tweaking. It's China may start the war, but it's because we invited them. To. Wow. Yeah. Regrettable. They're our competitor, not our enemy, all that stuff. Gordon, do you sense, though, look, there are some good people in the U.S. government somewhere. Uh, we have national security <laughs> professionals. Not all deep staters are bad. Is anybody in the government you know, ringing the red alarm bell? I mean, this is really uh, I, I believe you're right. Is anybody in the government taking it seriously? Well, General Mike Minahan, who is the chief of the Air Force's Air Mobility Command, in a memo which was leaked on January 27, said that he felt that we would be at war with China in 2025, quote unquote. Um, and there are some people at the top of the Pentagon. But for the most part, Greg, you know, the uh, senior civilians, the senior military and the people in the Oval Office, 
um, they have very little sense of urgency. So many things are happening in China right now, as General Holt has said, and it's these cumulative General things Brown. occurring. The most recent is that uh, the Chinese military is actually purging general officers who are opposed to war. And one of those general officers just got handed a death sentence. All right. Well, I have a feeling. Uh, well, then do me a favor real quick. Let's hear uh, from Admiral Kirby, retired Admiral Kirby, deputy press secretary now. Take a look. Well, it was unsafe and it was unprofessional. You, you heard the, the Pentagon uh, speak to that, and you all saw the video for yourselves. You can see that they forced that, uh, that RC-135 to go through the, the jet wash uh, of, the, uh, of the Chinese fighter, which just tells you how close it was, several hundred feet. That's dangerous. And, um, you know, one of the reasons we want to keep the lines of communication open, in fact, one of the reasons why we want to make sure we can get that military to military military channel back open is so that you know we have a way to to, to talk to the to the Chinese uh, about incidents like this one uh, that could lead to miscalculation and misunderstanding and maybe getting somebody hurt all right unprofessional unprofessional I had an unprofessional uber driver the other, uh, unprofessional all right let's leave him alone I want to just get a quick reaction from you general about the new chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff CQ Brown looks like he's going to be confirmed you were in the Air Force. You ever crossed paths with this guy? What do you make of him? So I, I've known General Brown since he was a major. Uh, he's got all the right credentials for this job. It's a good time to be putting air and space out front. Um, obviously, they're going to be picking a general that's friendly to the administration. However, General Brown um, understands and is very clear-eyed about the Chinese threat and the other threats around the world. I hope now that he's in this role, he absolutely uh, maintains his objectivity and takes these threats very seriously and returns the Pentagon away from these social programs and into mission focus and readiness. It, it couldn't be more important right now. I hope he does that. There are indications he won't because he's seems like he's one of those woke generals in that video from a couple of years ago. He played it last night. General Blaine Holt and Gordon Shang, thank you both very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, they uh, they did it. They passed a debt limit deal, so there will be no default. It passed 314 to 117. 314 yays, 117 nays. It's very, very big. Adds $4 trillion more to the debt. Uh, I'm not that crazy about it. And our next guest isn't either, but he knows a lot more about it. Congressman Ken Buck, Republican of Colorado. And I do believe, sir, you voted against this bill. Um, welcome back. Tell us what you're thinking right now, please. Well, what I'm thinking is that, that uh, more Democrats voted for this bill than Republicans. When we were told about this bill, we were told that there is nothing in this bill for the Democrats. Obviously, they don't agree with that. They know there's a lot in this bill for the Democrats. There's four trillion reasons for Democrats to vote for this bill. And uh, I, I really think this is, is a, a, a piece of legislation that is going to put Kevin McCarthy at risk. Yeah, Kevin McCarthy at risk. Uh, he, by the way, right about now is celebrating this thing and a uh, big press conference and uh, high fives all around. What happens next? What, are you going to do something to take him out? Or what, what's that special vote that you guys have to do? A, a, a motion to vacate or something like that? Motion to vacate. What does that right. mean and how would it right. be, no, how I would think it be that done? The, uh, 
Well, it's, it's very simple. Uh, one person files a document called a motion to vacate, and it's a privileged motion that is required to be heard uh, on the floor within a certain period of time. I think it's 10 business days. Um, and the, uh, the conservatives, 70, 72 Republicans voted against this bill. 72 Republicans. Um, those folks are going to be considering uh, the motion to vacate. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And uh, I, I just think that Kevin, uh, his celebration will be short-lived. All right. Now, what's what's the problem? Is he uh, first of all, was he was he rolled by uh, Biden? Is this something that he really likes? He's uh, a career politician. Uh, and then let's get to the substance of of what really is the most offensive in this bill. But what's up with Kevin, the speaker? Well, he's an establishment guy from California, and, and uh, you know, one of my colleagues uh, tweeted out that uh, Republicans got rolled by a guy who can't even find his pants, uh, meaning Joe Biden. Um, this, this is a, uh, a bill that uh, had a lot in it for Democrats and very little in it for Republicans, other than, uh, you know, avoiding a black eye because of a debt, uh, you know, a debt default. So, um, but that's not enough. We should have used this as leverage to, to get spending cuts, to get caps on spending from the Biden administration. All right, and here he is actually just uh, yeah, declaring victory uh, a few moments ago. I wanted to do something no other Congress has done, that we would literally turn the ship, that for the first time, in quite some time, we'd spend less than we spent the year before. Tonight, we all made history, because this is the biggest cut and savings this Congress has ever voted for. And it's not that we're just voting for it. This is going to be law. Well, uh, Congressman Buck, he makes it sound good. Oh, he makes it sound great. And that's why so many Democrats voted for it, because they're just so committed to cutting spending. They are so committed to limiting their own president and, and his ability to create new programs and, and spend new money. Um, nonsense. It's total nonsense. Uh, everyone knows now, after they see the vote, uh, more Democrats vote for this bill than Republicans. Uh, in fact, uh, Speaker McCarthy couldn't even get this bill on the floor. Uh, he couldn't pass a procedural rule without Democrat support today. I think he got 50 uh, Democrats to vote for uh, the rule that, that put the bill on the floor for a vote. Um, th th this is a disgrace. And, and the American people understand that when you increase our national debt by $4 trillion, you are doing uh, the Democrats' bidding, not the Republicans' bidding. And uh, the calls are already coming in across the country. Uh, from people who are very upset about this. And, and when members go back to their districts this weekend, that's what they're going to be hearing from folks. You need to get rid of McCarthy. So we can't, this can't go on forever, obviously. I mean, the, the economy is going to collapse. I saw the GAO had something where the government will be bigger than the economy in a few years at this rate. So, I mean, what happens? What happens two years from now, three years from now? How can you fix this? We need spending caps. We need responsible spending caps. Uh, and, and, you know, 10 years ago, uh, Speaker Boehner negotiated spending caps with uh, Harry Reid, Democrat Senate Majority Leader, and President Barack Obama. Uh, those spending caps um, actually brought down discretionary spending. Discretionary meaning the not Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid uh, spending. Uh, and, and those numbers came down as a result of spending caps. That's what was necessary in this bill. 
Well, uh, the Speaker of the House is on notice again. Uh, he barely got in there in January. We will uh, we'll be watching. Congressman Ken Buck, we appreciate you uh, joining us again. Many thanks, and we'll be right back. That's where I left my Hint Plus. Lenny, I, uh, you, the Hint Plus was delicious. And packed with vitamins. Hint Plus has more vitamin C than a real Clementine. New Hint Plus, true fruit flavor plus a boost of vitamins. Did he just call vitamins vitamins? For a limited time, new customers get over 45% off at drinkhint.com. That's 36 bottles of immunity-boosting Hint Plus for just 36 bucks. Only $1 per bottle. Hint Plus, true fruit flavor plus a boost of vitamins. Before taking Balance of Nature, every single day after I would get home from work, I would knock out on the couch and have to take a nap. Once I started taking Balance of Nature, I noticed a huge difference. My wife and I want to stay as healthy as we can for our baby. We're both just so happy that we found something that gives us more energy to help us live healthier lifestyle. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com to get free shipping and get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code NEWSMAX. Uh, Gemstone product I find very versatile, very affordable, very clean install to get the same finished look of stone product. I think it's a fantastic product and I, I, I don't see us going back to the traditional stone method anytime soon. Genstone is DIY friendly, goes from box to the wall in minutes, and can be used for any project inside or out. Like this fireplace, this entry, this chimney, or this complete home transformation. Gemstone was really easy to cut. We're looking at doing the exterior of the house. Text VALUE to 59583 to see more Genstone projects. It's lightweight and it's durable. It cuts so easy that even an old guy like me can do it. We can all do it. This is not a skilled tradesman job. Text VALUE to 59583 to save up to 50% over real stone and even more during our summer sale. I'm Mike Huckabee, former governor of Arkansas, and I'm here with my wonderful wife of almost 50 years, Janet, and our puppies. Over the years, we've learned to make a marriage work, you need love, respect, and most importantly, a good night's sleep. Mike had real difficulty getting to sleep and staying asleep until he started taking Relaxium Sleep. For years now, we both fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer, and wake up refreshed every morning. It's made life a whole lot better. And since Relaxium Sleep's formula is so safe and effective, there's no issue how often we take it. Clinically proven Relaxium Sleep's triple action formula was developed by renowned neurologist and sleep expert, Dr. Eric Siliberti, to regulate your natural sleep cycle, relax your body, and calm the mind for better sleep through the whole night. We love the sleep that we're getting with Relaxium Sleep. And we continue to recommend it to family and friends who tell us how it's changed their life. Relaxium is so confident that it'll work for you, they're going to give you a bottle of Relaxium Sleep absolutely risk-free for 30 days. After being a Relaxium customer for at least three years now, because I'm getting a better night's sleep, it's making everything else about my life more enjoyable. When I take Relaxium Sleep, I sleep better than I have in years. I wake up feeling alert, like I've had the best night's sleep. With Relaxium Sleep, I'm so happy I'm going to use the product forever, for life. Change your sleep tonight so you can change your life tomorrow with Relaxium Sleep. Call now. 
Relaxium is giving away a thousand bottles of clinically proven Relaxium sleep today. Fall asleep, stay asleep, wake refreshed. Call today for your 30-day risk-free trial and 100% money-back guarantee. Relaxium sleep doesn't need a prescription, is 100% drug-free, and is non-habit-forming. Call 800-960-3799. 800-960-3799. Trust you not to Relaxium sleep. It's amazing, uh, CNN. Uh, all they do is talk about Trump. All they do is talk about Trump, and then the next big thing that's going to get him this time. And now there is a tape that they haven't heard, but somebody says that Trump is talking about classified documents. And uh, they just put people around the table, and they just say stuff and say stuff. This was Russia, 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 Ukraine, 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 and now this. The investigation trying to prove the thing that you normally alludes you, somebody's intent. You have intent, if this is reporting is true, intent that this actually did happen. For Jack Smith and his team, you have an otherwise clear-cut case, documents in someone's possession, ought to be returned. Was there intent? This suggests that there was. It's a very streamlined prosecutorial proof model. It's a very streamlined prosecutorial proof model. Okay, that's a little bit of watching CNN. Uh, they never mentioned Mike Pence, oh, by the way, who had uh, documents at his house. A lot of them. Vice President Mike Pence, there's the house, yeah. Uh, Joe, of course, the Corvette in the garage, all stacked up behind the Corvette, yeah, that was... Uh now, here's the thing you got to understand, because you know that they may indict Trump over this boxes thing, and it's a, the indictment will be a crime. But here's, I think, the evidence that completely absolves the president. So on January 20th, 2021, here are the boxes leaving the White House, all right? We believe that these have the documents inside. Guess what? Donald Trump at that moment is still president of the United States. Sometime after, he gets to Palm Beach, 11 in the morning, his last day in office. He's still the president of the United States. And he gets to Mar-a-Lago. All right, we got we traced him all the way there just a few minutes later, 11.32 a.m. He's at Mar-a-Lago. He's still the president of the United States. He has access to classified documents no matter where they are. All right. And they're at Mar-a-Lago. They have the facilities to look at these documents. And Joe Biden is not yet president. He becomes president at 11.47 a.m. The documents when President Trump had them were, well, he had access to them. He's president. And you know, of course, by now, that he had authority to declassify them. But this is very interesting. He brought those documents with him when he was still the president of the United States. And for the FBI to do what they did going into that raiding the president's Mar-a-Lago, that is another crime. And someday there will be justice for that. I'll be right back. An American life. He played pro baseball, became a business leader, then a famous TV host. Watch Eric Bowling, The Balance, for the right news at the right time. Only on Newsmax. Well, thank you very much. Hope you're enjoying the show. It's, uh, it's a great special show, isn't it? Thank you very much, and we'll be back tomorrow.